Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached the news from the front lines where Kristen and Eugene Fisher, Christopher Eugene Fisher, host the show. Mindy Griffith, she produces the show. And today we've got a really good show lined up for you. But first, I want to tell you why how it's possible that we have a show. It's because CCHI 2016 donates a, a spot for us to be on their radio show platform so we can get our voices out so everybody can hear um, what's going on, the dark side of prohibition. Um, we know there's the good points because they're all over the news, all sorts of stuff, but you know, there's a dark and, and, and gloomy war going on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. First, we want to thank Becca also, who is a a screener for our show who cannot make it today. She's having some personal issues, but um, Becca, I hope you have a good day, and thank you. And so today, um, we want to say we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we've got a, this is basically the show's la- uh, layout today, for today. Um, we've got Andy Martin coming on first. She is the wife of Chris Martin. And some really bad things have been going on with Chris Martin. Um, he's in prison, he's in prison, and they're not giving him his meds. They're not giving him attention that he needs medically, and he's suffering. Well, in the meantime, we generated some phone calls, got him some help, um, and then they started doing it again. So we teamed up with the Human Solution flyer out there, and it, it kind of got him in a little bit more of a chaotic situation that he's in. It made it worse. But we're going to hear from Andy Martin um, the first. She's going to be our first guest at 9.05 to tell us what is going on in this prison um, that we need to know about. And so after that, we're going to have Craig Cecil, who comes on the show and does his regular segment. He risks going on lockdown every single week to call into our show. He's an amazing part of our show. You don't want to miss out on his voice. Right after his voice is over, um, which they allow him to have a 15-minute call from prison, after that 15-minute call is over, we're going to hear from George Monterano. And George spent 33 years in a federal prison because of the plant federally illegal. And he was released just recently out of a life sentence. He's one of Eugene Fisher's bestest friends. They spent time together in prison. And so you'll really enjoy hearing that. And then right after that, we're going to talk to Stacey Tice. Stacey Tice's uncle, who you, you, we've heard from Stacey on our show before. Her uncle was shot down by the government. Uh, she drives a big green bus around the nation. But she just recently got that bus fixed and tried to take it to the NASCAR races. So we'll find out what happened at the races, and we'll find out what the journey of Stacey and the bus are going on next. And right after that, we'll hear from Stephanie Landa from Freedom Grow about commissary money and new efforts, what's going on. And then after that, we're going to go to open mic. So if you would like to join in on our show, if you have to call in, um, after that, it's gonna, the number to call in is <clears throat> 917-889-8298. We would love to hear from you. Uh, my name is Kristen Floor. I am one of the hosts of the show, and I'm a host of one of the hosts because my dad died in federal custody because our plan is illegal. Our other host of the show is Eugene Fisher, who spent 25 years of a life sentence in prison and got himself freed. And that's why he's a host of the show, because he doesn't want anybody else to have to go to prison for a plant. Um, good morning, Eugene. How are you? Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, listeners. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'd just like to get the word out to any of our listeners to tell their friends about our show, to spread oh, yeah. the word. We, 
Christian, yes. we have such a good background of shows. You can look back some of at past shows. There's almost every element of anything concerning uh, the marijuana war that the government is waging and our advocacy and what people advocates are doing to try to change the laws and get people out of prison. So spread the word. Spread the word, listeners, to other listeners. Get other listeners involved. You can spread the word simply by sharing the link on your Facebook page or telling your friends or emailing it to somebody. Just let people know that we're here. (laughs) Eugene, we've had an amazing week. Um, We've got quite a bit accomplished this week from – you know, being turning our turning into our little voices into an actual corporation, um, and also by getting our website going. And I'm not urging people to go to the website quite yet, but it has been established. We now have a website, Voices of the Cannabis War. Um, there's going to be a link, or actually, there is a link where you could just press on it and take a vow. That means you just basically say that you want to honor our prisoner sacrifices, and you'll do things that will help honor their sacrifices. And it's free to take the vow. You just need your email address. At that point, we can send you links to the radio shows. We can send you links to uh, petitions that are important regarding prisoners. And we can send you the news right from the front line. So that's coming soon. It's not officially launched yet, but it's in the making. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We want to thank our helpers um, for helping us with that. They know who they are. They're beautiful people. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And also, um, this week has been really cool because this flyer um, that we launched, it's done, brought down a lot of bonding with other people out there in this group. However, you know, we're trying to bring some help to this prisoner, but uh, the situation in the prison actually got a little bit worse for him. Eugene, we have our first guest on the line. Um, is there anything you want to say about this week before we bring her on? No, uh, let's bring her on. I'm, I'm just okay. amazed at the story uh, that's unfolding that you're telling about uh, the suppression of freedom of speech, the fact that because a prisoner's uh, people would speak out for him because of improper medical attention, that he gets punished for that. That's just, that's just unbelievable. But I've seen it over and over in my time in prison. Uh, they really don't want, yeah. They don't want they don't want people to know about what's happening. Right, right. Well, people know, and people are calling, and people are outraged, and that's you know that's causing a lot of a lot of problems for our people down in Arizona. Um, Chris Martin, we have his wife on the line, Andy, and we're going to find out what exactly is going on with Chris and what we can continue to do to what we can do and what we can continue to do, what what he wants us to do to help. Um, good morning, good morning, Andy. Um, how are, how are you, and how are things, and what's what's going on? Hi, good morning. Um, we're doing okay. Chris contacted me yesterday and said that um, he finally got to talk to his CO3 in there, which it's been over two months since there's been the CO3 has even been there. He's been on vacation what is the CO3? or. What's the CO3? Is that like a counselor? Yeah, that's that's who he Chris has to go through. It's it's his counselor. So if Chris files a grievance, the counselor will come talk to him about it. Or any tickets that come up inside there, he talks to the CO3. So yeah, like a counselor. And um, he he talked to somebody yesterday, and wouldn't um, I, I'm not 
too familiar with the scoring, but when he got to Yuma, he his score was 19, and he's done everything asked of him since he's been there. He works. Um, he goes to the classes that they have. He's done. I have tons of certificates that he's done different parenting things. I mean, all kinds of classes just to pass time. And um, he was told that his score was a 26. And when he asked them, why did it go up? They said, because he's an active gang member. <gasps> and he just looked at them, I guess. Yeah. He And he asked, you know, what do you, I don't understand. He didn't understand where they were getting this. They did not tell him what gang he was actively in or um but what they were saying was that because you know you have a lot of people calling and he, he said I don't have anybody calling my wife is concerned I have family and friends that are I'm sure my wife talks to and they didn't get too much further really into it with him besides um because his score has gone up so much and he is an active gang member he will not be eligible for early release anymore, and he was supposed to move down a phase to go to the minimum yard at the end of this month, um, and they said he will not be moving phases. Um, so basically they just took away every, you know, that was six months earlier he could have gotten out, but they just took from him for no reason. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's talk about and this. It, um, excuse me, Kristen. Let me, ahead, Andy, this Eugene, how are you this morning, my dear? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Okay, listen, let me make a suggestion, okay? You know, Mm -hmm. um, I spent 25 years locked up, and when they start doing stuff like that to him, I'd strongly recommend, don't be be afraid, I'd strongly recommend that he go to the law library and talk to one of the uh, jailhouse lawyers because I know I'm, I imagine you guys are broke and you don't have money, but go there and try to get a jailhouse lawyer to help and present present this to the courts. Present it in the form of a petition that he's being discriminated against, uh, that they're improperly uh, because he shouldn't just stand by and and let accusations like being an active gang member. Uh, be be made against him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell him that. I'll, I I will um, talk to him tomorrow morning, and I will pass that on to him. Yeah, tell him not to be afraid. He can go to the courts on it, and the and and the prison, the prison can't block him. Yeah, uh, and I tried. Be- I've tried to call the um, Arizona DOC friends and family, and. They keep referring me back to the unit. Well, you have to call that that prison and go through the unit. But I mean, really, does that make sense to call the prison I'm having an issue with and tell them they know I'm having an issue? They're aware of it. Why would I keep calling them? And friends and family keep directing me back. And um, at this point, I, I do want to put out there that I think we should all start going through the attorney general. Just one specific number, call, because the prison doesn't care. They're just bullying Chris to try to get everybody else to shut up, I feel. and um, I, Okay, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's just recently happened. Um, we've, we've got a flyer down, and the flyer that we've got, in fact, we've got it on our, on our radio show um, as a picture that if you are listening, you can take a look at this flyer. And on this flyer, it's 
basically says that the because we've done we've watched two flyers. The first one said that they weren't taken care of and medically call and get them taken care of. But then that, since then, the, the, he got some some help, I believe, and then the situation escalated, and we did this new flyer. And in the new flyer, he, it mentions that he doesn't even have a doctor on in the whole prison. In the whole prison, doesn't even have a doctor. What what's going on with him? in the whole prison situation that led to this last flyer? Well, there, there's not, I don't know if it's the entire prison. I know it's his unit where he is. There is no, there's no nurse practitioner. There's no doctor. And it's in, they don't bring it somebody over from another unit. That's just, that's not how their policy and procedures work because that's been a huge discussion with me in the prison for the last week. That's all they want to talk about, yet they don't follow it. And that's my point to them is I understand your policies and procedures, but you're not abiding by them. So I they just, they won't admit that there's no doctor or nurse practitioner, but when Inmates are not being seen and being told, well, the nurse practitioner, he's gone now, so we have nobody here. I mean, those are the remarks inside there that they don't, of course, want anybody to hear out here. So, so I don't... Man, I, I. This is a man who has uh, Crohn's disease, congenitive heart failure, uh, his legs are swollen, his toenails are turning black, and he's been coughing up blood, and he is being cared for in a in a in a prison with no doctor to help him. No, out. no, and actually, I don't know if I last time um, he was seen, a C, it was a CNA came to his bed at one a.m. one in the morning. After the whole, he coughed up blood. It was over twenty four hours. One a.m. put a flashlight to his face, woke him up, told him um, he needed to be checked, and he said, "For what?" And they said, well, didn't you put an HR slip in to be seen? He's like, uh, it's 1 in the morning. So that he he said, you know, I'm it's 1 in the morning, I'm sleeping. So they left, and then they came back and said to him, so you're refusing medical treatment right now? And he said, no, I'm not refusing anything. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. If I have to get up and go, then I will. And so he did. They checked his vital signs and said, your blood pressure is good. Well, obviously, he's been sleeping. So then they just took him back to bed. They wrote his vital signs down, said that they were good, and he went right back to bed. That's the kind of care he gets. That's what they're doing. Wow. I am so I am upset about that. So what does Chris, where's his mindset right now, and how is his health, his body, and his mind? What? What's going on? Is he upset that now that we've got now that he's gotten more time? Or what I mean what he's upset. Yeah, he's he's upset. He's he's pissed off, to be honest. He was before he kept he's trying to be just level headed in there and not let anything get the best of him, but it's getting to a point where he's he feels like it's like picking and picking and he's getting he's pissed. He is pissed off. He hasn't lashed out or yelled at anybody, but that's what they want because then they can slap some other stuff on him. So that's, and he knows that. So he's trying to stay level-headed health-wise. He just, he walks every day by himself seven miles around the lap or the track. 
He shoots basketballs. Um, when they do, like, softball tournaments, he'll get involved. <clears throat> so he tries to do active things and keep himself, you know, as good as he can in there. And we talk, we write every single day. So I just try to keep uplifting his spirits because, I mean, if not, I don't know. I'm That's what worries me oh. is... I want to point out a couple things. I want to point out a couple things. Like, I'm looking at the pictures that we put on this last flyer. It looks like there's a picture of him and his family, possibly you and kids. Um, mm-hmm. stand, it looks like he's standing in front of a a building, like a, a, a official building, maybe a capital or something, holding signs. It looks like he's mm-hmm. fighting for a plant. But just by looking at these pictures, it looks like there's you and him possibly holding each other. And then it looks like he's another picture on here where he's showing uh, he's advertising something in his hand. Um, Mm -hmm. No way do I see evidence of him being a gangster in these pictures. And I would also like to point out that um, back with my affiliation with the Human Solution International, I had some affiliations with Chris. Um, Some conference calls he was on and he was always um, very, very professional, nothing gangster-like ever would I ever, as I said, call him a gangster. Never in my mind would I affiliate Chris Martin to be gangster, not even at all. So um, I don't I don't understand. Is he, is he friends with some gangsters in there? He reminds me of the type of the guy that's friends with everybody. You know, like, where are they getting that? Well, what, where I think where that's coming from is that um, his – when we were raided back in 2012, he was in a motorcycle club, but it wasn't any, it was a family motorcycle club. So we had family night, but he was the president. And um, so I think, honestly, that's where this stuff, but it has, that was long of, he's not now. Yeah, right. And he never, I mean, it was, we did the Kids Olympics. What kind of biker club? You know, I mean, he's not a bad. Right. It's it was family stuff, and I I, I think that's where this stems from, um, because of his them knowing that. But sixteen now too, you know, and all of a sudden he's got people not him, but you know, there's concerned Americans in the United States of America. They're very concerned about him and the rest of the inmates calling calling these places and all of a sudden he's been accused of being a gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's wrong to me. That's, that's labeling people. It's, it's what I teach my children not to do, you know, is to I teach exactly. them to accept people, not judge people. But yet, you know, at the lowest part of his life where he, there's no medical, there's no nothing. And now they're adding more time onto him. It almost seems like punishment to me. Yes. That's exactly what, how we feel. Exactly. Like Why? Because he's not being quiet in there. Because he's not sitting there and ending up with a colostomy bag like an inmate that's in there with him telling him, don't stop because I can come in here with a bag on like this. So, of course, it's scaring him, you know. He doesn't want to end up that way. He sees it's not just him. That's He sees what's happening in there. And he's a part of it, yeah, he is. And they're really messing with him. But um, he's not the only one they're doing it to. Now, this is a prison. What what prison? This is a, all we've got on the flyer is Arizona prison. But let's be specific. What prison is this? This is Yuma. And is it a Yuma prison? 
Now, who's, now that's what me and Mindy were wondering is who's regulating this prison? Is it is it regulated by a private system or is it a, what, a, what type of prison? I believe it's it's private. Well, do you know what private? Oh no, no. I'm sure I could have that information and get it for you, right. but I don't have it right now. I'm I'm interested. In it. Let me know on the on the back end things what what's going on with that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very interested in that. <sighs> Yeah, I, I tell you, um, there must be a law library. Do you know? Is there a law library in the prison? Um, I think there. I don't. If it's a law library, I know there's a library, so I can. I'll ask them specifically in the morning. You see, there is. See, there's. They're supposed to have a law library for for prisoners to research the law, and uh, usually in that law library, there's a gathering of the prisoners who know a little bit about the law. And, and I would advise that, that Chris start to go there and start doing some reading and talking and so on. Uh, you know, they just can't make false accusations like you're saying, that he's a gang member without any substantiation. And maybe what he has to do is, is challenge that, uh, challenge that with a, with a, a lawsuit. Uh, to do that, he's going to probably have to exhaust his administrative remedies first. Uh, I'm not familiar with, with the state system there, but, but I know in the federal system, uh, you can file administrative remedies. That's a request for information. And uh, since it involves the prison, uh, you can do in federal prison at least. I'm not sure again about what they have in Arizona, but in federal prison you do what is called a sensitive, a sensitive remedy, and that's a remedy that goes outside the prison to another layer of uh, administrative people to research so that they can't be a discrimination from the people that are causing the problem. Okay. So. Uh, it sounds to me like he's an activist, and, and from having done all the time I did, I know what you're saying about him walking, about him respecting everything that's going on and so on. But maybe he ought to add to his routine that to spend maybe an hour a day. Uh, to, to be honest with you, what I, did, what I ended up doing, I spent about three to four hours every day in the law library until I got myself out of prison and uh, educate himself there. And you can educate yourself by talking to the other guys. Like I say, there's always going to be some guys in the prison who know more about the law. They don't have to be lawyers. They're what we call jailhouse lawyers. And they can help guide them and so on. And and they should have, again, I don't know the Arizona system, but they should have either the law books, or computers, law computers that you can research cases on. And so he can, if he does that, adds that to his routine, he can start educating himself as to what are some of the remedies that he can file. Okay. I will definitely let him. I'll tell him about this. Okay. it's, 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 listen, one of the things you have in prison, obviously, is time. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Uh, you know, obviously we're doing time when we're in prison. But what I'm saying is uh, he's he's separated from the family and so on. So a lot of the activities he'd normally do, he doesn't have to do. 
What does he do with that extra time? He walks and exercises. That's important, very mm-hmm. important. He does some sports. That's important. Those things keep you going. But also, I'd, I'd really recommend, I recommend this to any of our listeners who have anyone in prison, I really recommend you go to the law library on a daily basis. Make it part of his routine. And he doesn't have to spend all that much time. Uh, they, do they have do they have like um, movements they can move freely around the prison, or they let them move every hour, or how does that work? Do you know? Um, it's certain times he gets. They have so many hours out, then where they can move around, then they are down for a couple and then back out. Well, in that spare, in the time when he has free, in addition to the exercise, don't drop the exercise in the sports. In addition to that, tell them to to really do that, to just add that to the routine, to go to that that library. Find out about what they got in the library also, if they got law books and, or, or computers. In the federal system now they have computers throughout. And the, on these computers you can access law cases. So you can do a lot of research that way. But the main thing is when he goes to the law library, he's going to find some of these guys that really are good at law. Again, they, they call them jailhouse lawyers, and you know you might have to pay them a little something, but they don't—they're not law, outside lawyers. They don't get thousands of dollars. Right. I'm talking—I'm talking about you know you pay them with a little commissary, you give them—give them, give them a few bucks, right? And right. They—they they can assist him. He's got to—he's got to start filing some remedies. He can't just take this laying down. You know that—that's that's a serious accusation. I'm telling you from having done, done time. Well, Saying he's a gang member, uh, Christian, it's more than just saying you're a gangster. Gang member is the key word. What does that mean? That means they can, they can assess that and say this is a dangerous guy. And mm-hmm. if it's not based on anything, he has to fight it. And the fact that he was part of a motorcycle club, that's been litigated. You, there are a lot of motorcycle clubs don't do anything wrong. They're just, you know, there's nothing wrong. In this country of ours, it's not illegal to, to ride a motorcycle, I don't think, is it? <laughs> no, but you, you, let me let me just say this real quick. We got Mindy Griffiths, who's the producer of our show. She's in the background here, and she looked up um, the prison, and it is a state-operated prison, not a private prison. So oh, okay. I'm guessing the Attorney General uh, and also possibly the the governor of, of Arizona, I think calling the governor's office will help. It did help my dad at one point while he was in a federal facility, even, but they couldn't do much, but it did help. And I think the fact that it is a state prison, we call the governor and we blow up their phone one day. Sure. Um, I think that, I think that might get us a lot of headway and attach the calls with the, the attorney general and the warden. I think that would be, um, that would be really a, a, a good thing for him, for him. But, but, we'll but talk Christian, about that. put that in, in in context. In addition to mm-hmm. that, and, and you're absolutely right, those are things, Andrew, that, that, that can be done to help him. But in addition to that, get him working on what I told you about going to that law okay. library. Yes, okay. for sure. Another, another thing, Andy, is we've got Craig Cecil who can call in any second between 925 and 930. So, when I switch over to the other line, that'll pretty much end our interview. So if that happens, um, when that happens, I want to thank you in advance for coming on to our show. Um, yes, thank I also want to, yeah, I also want to say we're going to get together uh, with the team of people that's been helping Chris and, and, and plan a step three. Um, I, I think that that's absolutely wrong. 
and <laughs> I think there's a little bit higher chain that we can uh, we can go through. I know the first the first set of numbers we called um, was lower on the chain. Now we're kind of getting up there. I think the the third set of numbers we call is going to get a lot more a lot more help for him. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for caring and helping. Of course. Is there anything we else? Do you want have, our we do. We advise you to come back on our show in the future and keep us updated. Keep of the course. listeners updated. Okay. I definitely will. All right. Cool. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you, Andy. Is there thank anything you else? Guys. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, Eugene, we've got. Um, We've got a minute or two while we wait for Craig to call in. He hasn't yeah, you know, yet. you know, Kristen. One of the things that, that really hits my hits me when I hear this: what's happening to to Chris? See, these these local local prison authorities sometimes can be very abusive. Not always, but sometimes they can be very abusive. You know that from your father's case, and yeah. you can't you can't take it laying down. He got, but but you you can't fight him, you know, verbally there. You can't get into confrontations. You lose on that. But what he can do is just what you said. You can go to higher authorities and you can try to get them focused. And uh, you can also start visiting the law library and looking at your case and looking at your things. He should not take. See that that gang affiliation thing. That's not yeah. good. That's not good well, because that'll follow him. That'll follow him when he's out too. Eugene, what I've noticed is that's what the authorities do, whether it's the prison or the prosecutors or whatever. They always want to tie somebody and make him as a gang member. My dad, my dad was 67 years old, and in a federal courtroom, they tried to make him look like a gangster too. Like they, I'm telling you, they made him out to be this. <laughs> I know, Christian. Yeah. They, 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 they said I was organized crime, and I yeah, finally proved that they were the organized crime. That's how I got out of prison. I proved that the <laughs> United the States there. government was the organized crime. Right? They're, they're <laughs> and they didn't want they didn't want the case to come out, Christian, because I I proved I said you guys are doing the illegal activities, the things you're right? accusing us of. There's nothing compared to what you're doing. And, oh, it's uh, mess. You know, but but again, uh, you got to make it that routine. And and George Monterano, our show participant, always comes on. My good friend, he always spent time not only in the law library but working on positive projects. And that's one of the reasons they kept them 33 years. Well, one of the reasons he was able to get out was that very thing. My co-defendant, well, Randy Lanier, got out because he would go and he he wasn't as good at the, going to the law library, but he got an outside, he got outside lawyers to help him on a pro bono basis. What I'm saying is you can't take these things laying down. Well, what I think is cool is that Chris Martin is um, got that coloring book thing going on where instead of, you know, people having all high tensions and being all angry with each other, you know, they can go back to their cells and color. And I think that he is doing some fun projects that I think is yes. really awesome to see. Yes. You know, he's he's kind of turning into sort of a little hero like you, you and George are. You see, those things should be brought out too. If I was there with Chris, I'd have him be I'd have him be, be, drafting a motion to to the courts. 
And in that motion, I present the fact that he's an exemplary prisoner. He does. Yeah. He's he's got a, a coloring book project. And he does positive things to help prisoners and help their families. You know, those yeah, are the things right. that should be emphasized. Uh, uh, not not that he's any, and that there's no gang affiliation. Period. Because they know right. that the authorities know that. You know, uh, the fact that he was a member of a of a domestic. Uh, yeah, Bicycle club, uh, motorcycle club doesn't mean anything about what he's no longer. He was not. He's not part of any active criminal enterprise. Nor ever, was he ever accused of that. See, they're going outside the scope of everything they have about him, and they're inventing yeah. things. Yeah, that's what it seems like they do. They just make things up as they go when they don't like some. Oh, there's Craig right there. Eugene, talk to the listeners while I answer Craig's call. Okay, okay I'll be right back. Okay. A- anyway, listeners, <laughs> what we're saying is a part of this program, part of my philosophy from having you a lot, done a lot of time is be active in your case. Be active in your case. Work at it. Never give that up. So if you got someone in prison or you're in prison, keep active in your case trying to get information. This fellow we have bringing on, Greg Seathall, always does. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. We've got me and Eugene here, and today is open mic, so we can talk about whatever we want. And we were just thinking about you and what you're going through this week. We're starting to get nervous because you're like three minutes past the call-in time, so we're like, you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Yes, Yes, I am. It's just the way things worked out as to where I was in the line for the phone. Okay. Good. But here, luckily, we don't Greg, have any bad news. Craig, you know, hey, you know, Craig. you got a following. Hello, good morning, Craig. Craig, you got a following. There are people who wait for your voice to come on the radio program every week. I want you to know that. <laughs> that's great, and that's due to you guys uh, putting me there. And I uh, <laughs> thank you very, very much. <laughs> You'd have kind well, of fun as. Uh, at the uh, penitentiary across the street, they're all on lockdown <laughs> because the <laughs> the gay boy gangsters gang. <laughs> We've been talking about gangsters. Gay, gay boy gangsters. That's a new one. I never heard of that. <laughs> Explain that to me. <laughs> Apparently, it's a group of gay guys <laughs> that have formed a, a gang within the penitentiary. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> And they're running around checking people's paperwork and, you know, and whatever their discipline is amongst gang, gay boy gangsters. And I'm I'm not quite sure if I even want to know the definition I have. Frank, <laughs> 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 that's a new one I made. I did a lot of time. I never heard of the gay boy gangsters. No, but they're, they're officially at USP Tara. <laughs> One of the things, one of the things, one of the things we were discussing about Chris Martin, he's doing state time, was how the authorities—not all authorities, but sometimes authorities—invent things about people. Oh, especially in sentencing, as you well know, and uh, the federal system is especially bad at that. Is that under federal law? The federal prosecutor is effectively allowed to pay bribes 
to people that will testify it, you know, as to what he once said. As you well know, there's a, a law that actually says that if a, a person gives substantial assistance in the prosecution of, of another person, like testifying of, you know, all kinds of wrongs at their trial or at their sentencing, that the, and this is totally up to the prosecutor, he can put in for that person to get their sentence reduced or sometimes totally erased, as what happened in my case. The witness in my case never served a day in prison. Great. Well, uh, I think our listeners should know what you're saying. Uh, they, they, it's illegal for the prosecutor to say beforehand what they're going to do, but everybody knows, everybody who becomes a snitch, a cooperating witness, knows that by their cooperation, they're going to do a lot less time or no time in prison. And that, it, So you're right. It, it is actually a system of bribes. And unfortunately, the law itself has no provision in there that the, you know, any testimony that the person give is actually the truth. That, whether to prosecute him at all for uh, lying, is up to the same prosecutor who he's working for. So therefore, there's a whole lot of, I mean, mind you, these are people with criminal charges and criminal sentences hanging over their heads. So we already know these people are criminals. And they put them on the stand to say what the, you know, obviously trying to impress the prosecutor so that they can reduce their sentence by, you know, say in half, by saying what the prosecutor wants them to say in the prosecution of another person. So, unfortunately, (laughs) the truth doesn't really enter into the whole equation the way it should. These people are criminals, and they're going to say whatever is necessary to reduce their sentence. So the more hardened the criminal, the more likely they are to get on the stand and testify against somebody else or reduce their sentence. It's really a a kind of an odd system. So therefore, the new novice criminal gets a whole lot of time, and the experienced criminal gets very little time because he testified against the other. Wow. It's amazing how our court systems work and how they allow that to be judgment and be and put somebody, to use that, to put somebody in prison for life. It seems silly when you look at the consequences of their actions. Well, I I think it should be emphasized, Greg, that the truth is not a a part of the equation. It's really what the person who's testifying will embellish. I want to emphasize what you said. Will embellish whatever they're saying because they know that's what the prosecutor wants to hear. And that will be the basis of the prosecutor's recommendation to the judge to give a limited or, or a, re, a much reduced sentence to that person. So the truth as to what is given, what testimony is given, is not part of the equation. I've actually seen it in transcripts and uh uh, that where the prosecutor actually gives in writing the answers that he wants to hear to the uh, witness or to the you know to the person that's trying to snitch to get his sentence reduced, and he will literally put them on the stand, and they will literally read that answer, and they get uh, you know a significant reduction in their sentence. And mind you, this is a criminal. This is many times a person that really doesn't have a 
you know, any sort of conscience or anything. He's just going to try to keep from going to prison or from going to prison quite as long. So, like you say, Gene, uh, the truth isn't in the equation. What the prosecutor wants them to say is the only thing that's important. That's the substantial assistance in the prosecution of another person. That's that's their only requirement. Well, well you guys, what gets me is when you see, like, um, people get raided or get in trouble, and then they just wait just for the right time to approach loved ones when loved ones and, you know, defendants could possibly be in a fight. You know, defendants are just like regular people. They get in arguments with people out there, and the people they don't get along with, that seems to be who they approach at just the right time in order to get the bad the bad, the bad, bad things out of them about that person. Um, and then use that in court again. Oh, of course. Because, unfortunately, in the federal system, very seldom do they actually through their own investigation and, and that very seldom do they actually catch somebody committing a crime. They usually create a situation, pull that person in the situation through their operatives, and, you know, then there's an arrest, the prosecution and all that. Whereas in reality, had it been not been for the action of the federal authorities, there never would have been any of this. Right. You see that? So often you see that now with all these arrests, they... Um, they trumpet on the news every day is that federal, you know, FBI agents were working with, you know, some disillusioned 18-year-old kid, and sure enough, that kid, you know, was willing to accept the bomb from him and go put it in the restaurant. Then they arrest him for a terrorist attack. When here, they're the ones that set him up. They're the ones that created the whole scenario. They're the ones that spent months, if not years sometimes, talking them into what they did. Yeah, it's a setup. So really, what they're, pardon? They said it's a setup. Yes, it is. And really, all they're doing is trying to make statistics that say, "Look, we arrested this many terrorists," when really that person probably never would have committed any act of terrorism. (laughs) Wow. That's that's a shame that our government takes our loved ones, takes us, and puts us in a situation to put us behind that will lead us to be behind bars. Um, well, you know, uh, Greg, uh, what what we, you and I say, me as an ex-prisoner, you as someone doing time, we know there are certain people in society that society must be protected against. I'm talking about the violent offenders. So we've developed a whole system out there that puts nonviolent people such as yourself, such as myself, away for these long periods of time. And all it does is, is expend money for, for a purpose who knows what. It doesn't help in the security of citizens in general or, or protection against violent crime in the least. That's so true, because so many people are here in the prison just so that uh, federal people, federal prosecutors, federal politicians can have speaking points on TV. Like I say, you know, with with creating those crimes and catching these guys up, you know, as potential terrorism uh, or possible, you know, domestic terrorists, all they're really doing is they're not really taking a... Uh, a person that would commit a crime off the street, what they're doing instead is making all kinds of 
speaking points for the evening news so they can put their spokesperson on the news and say, look what we did. You know, your tax dollars were well spent. Where in reality, they're not. Half of the people here are in federal prison for drug charges. Drug charges are defined as uh, possessed with intent to distribute a controlled substance. There's nothing violent in that. And many of these people are poor people off the streets of Chicago that sold drugs to support their addict, you know, to to, uh, support their own addiction or to support even themselves because they... This call is from a federal prison. They have no job skills. They have no, you know, jobs available to them in those areas. And so what we end up doing is, you know, housing so many of them in the prison. And that's just so the politicians can say, look, there's... Right now, there's just shy, there's 195,000 people in federal prison. Half of them are drug offenders we took off the street. Well, you know what? I don't think they've lessened the amount of drugs on the street. I think there's still the same Hmm. amount of drugs flowing through America's streets. (laughs) Probably more. So, I mean, again, you know, the, the, the federal prosecutions are really just to, you know, um, powder the hair of our, our of our judicial people, and and that's the difference again between the state and federal prosecution. In the states, um, judges and prosecutors are elected; they're accountable to the people, so they're only going to prosecute or not prosecute cases according to what the people that elect them want prosecuted or again not prosecuted. And uh, in the federal system. Prosecutors are appointed for six-year terms. Judges are appointed for lifetime tenures. They get their their pay and their judgeship for the rest of their life, no matter how they rule. So these people, you know, half the time are just supporting the, the reason to keep paying them to be there. And that's why the federal system adopted that system where they can pay snitches to testify against people, pay them in terms... Some of them in in terms of money, but most of them in terms of reducing their sentences. To my knowledge, no state allows that. You know, that would be bribing a witness, which most states don't allow. But but that's our federal system, which, again, is not accountable. I've heard that they've paid witnesses up to $10,000 and maybe possibly more. Uh, Yes, yes, I've seen many of those occasions, and... I mean, and of course they're going to get on the stand and, you know, generally they find poor people, so $10,000 is the world to them, <laughs> and they're right. going to say whatever the prosecutor wants them to say. Right. So, um, Craig, I know we don't have a ton of time left, um, but I'm wondering, is everything okay back there besides the, the what's the name of the gang, the gay, gay, game, game, gay boys? <laughs> Gang. The gay boy gangster. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Be careful. Believe it or not. <laughs> well, I, I will definitely stay away from the gay boy <laughs> That shouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> uh, uh-oh. uh-oh, it's the, the almighty beep again. Okay. Yeah, almighty But thank, thank you, you for shining a light on, on the here. show. And we appreciate everything you are and our listeners do. And thank you all that you do for me and and all you do for us uh, suffering from the war on drugs that, you know, too many people won't admit has failed.
politicians won't admit has failed. But thank you for shining a light on what's going on, uh, you know, for us in here and and as well in federal prosecutions. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Craig, for your sacrifices. Thank you. Thanks, Jean. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks, Mindy. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. We love you. Love you, too. Love all the help. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. All right, listeners, that was Craig Cecil on his 13th year of the life sentence. Yes, for weed. Like, for weed? There's people serving life sentence. How many times people came up to me and said, "Somebody, wait, somebody say life for weed? Like, life for, for marijuana? And I'm like, yes, there's over 50. And from what I understand, there could be even over 100. But Craig Cecil was one of them. <laughs> uh, and yes. Christian... He isn't. He never was apprehended. He wasn't involved. The truth is, he wasn't involved even. I know. In a, it wasn't in, even really weed. In, no, he was. He was accused of repairing trucks that had been used to smuggle marijuana, and for that he yep. got a life sentence. Yep. Well, you know, you know, you know, Eugene. Um, we've got our very own Mindy Griffiths, who is one of the founders of our group. She's one of the producers of this show. Mindy has um, done some things outside of our group that are just absolutely amazing. She's been doing, working with a radio station called KBU, and that's a Oregon station, which I believe you can download past episodes on a national level. But they it, they do a lot of um, a lot of work through Prison Pipeline. That's the name of the show that they are on. In fact, I went down there to do to, as an inter, as a guest on one of one of their shows, and we talked about jury nullification. And it's in this really cute little studio in Portland, Oregon, a radio studio where they do all kinds of good stuff. I I love the place. Mindy loved the place so much that she's actually became very active in the radio show, and she's doing an interview with one of our best marijuana attorneys in Portland or in Oregon, and her radio show that she's doing is coming up real soon. So she made this soundbite for all of our listeners to hear. So you can tune in and to listen to this interview. It's going to be really good. But but check this out and check out the show. Here it goes. Mass incarceration in the United States is due in part to the criminalization of people with drug addictions. Join me on Prison Pipeline March 21st to hear Leland Berger, an attorney who defends those charged with cannabis-related crimes. He'll discuss the recent legalization of marijuana and its effects on the criminal justice system here in Oregon. That's Prison Pipeline March 21st at 6.30 p.m. That's so cool, Mindy. I love it. I'm going to make sure I tune in. And uh, Eugene, you should tune in, and everybody listening should tune in. That is going to be an awesome, awesome interview. But Matt, <laughs> I never, is, that, is that cool, Eugene? Mindy never ceases to amaze me. She's so talented, so multifaceted, and so dedicated to the cause. So we we just uh, I just want to congratulate Mindy. As usual, she's doing such significant things. George hasn't come on yet, huh? No, George is here, um, but I was going to say, Mindy didn't hear you because she's screening a call, so you'll have to tell her her later. But, yeah, we're going to bring George on right now for this is what's called 
Georgie's Corner. Uh, George spent 33 years of a life sentence and is here as a free man for the next 15 minutes to tell you what he's up to. Good morning, George. How are you? Hey, Kristen and uh, Jean. Good morning. Good morning to all. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I always listen from Greg, and I hear that the backdrop of the prison cell block, and uh, I feel so I feel so sorry for the man, so sorry for the man that he's still in that in that kind of uh, doom situation for cannabis. I feel so 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 sorry for him. Yeah, they had George. They had him plead guilty to a life sentence. You know, the same thing trick they tried on you, they did on right. him because they said they had evidence, and he didn't know he was going to get a life sentence. So he got a life uh. sentence. Uh, for repairing the trucks that supposedly were used to smuggle marijuana in, he never was accused of actually smuggling or getting involved in any any marijuana directly. Hmm. Oh, boy. Well, George, George, we want to hear from you. What's happening in what's happening in Philadelphia? What's happening in your life? Well, it was an interesting story. I wrote a little poem about it, about, uh, a uh, young young fella I met I can't mention his name but what a what a nightmare this poor young fella got anyway let me read the poem then you can get the gist of it free my God never to be you do your time come out for a life hoping to rhyme country roads do flow oh there blue lights flash pull over after scent of smoke. No booze. Oops. Can't walk the line. Next, blood test. Folks knows the rest. Poor dude. Back to a cell. A cell where no plant grows. Now, the gist of that poem is that Uh I met a young man. I believe he's going to jail because he got pulled over. And there was a scent of smoke in the car. And uh, they uh, asked him to walk the line, and the kid couldn't do it. And actually, they charged him with all kinds of stuff in the state of Pennsylvania. And uh, it's a nightmare. So uh, because he couldn't uh, give blow, uh, you know, because he... Uh, no, they made him blow, and there was nothing because he was an alcohol. Next thing they do, they locked him up and gave him a blood test. And the blood showed uh, marijuana, THC, and now he's charged with the reckless endangerment with the vehicle. So he this was in one of them little towns somewhere in Pennsylvania, and it's still, it's still, it's still, it's crazy out here. And, uh, you know, they allow you to do a smoke or small amounts of marijuana and fill up your city limits. But this poor kid got caught up, you know, in some in some uh, rural know, area in Pennsylvania. And it's been a nightmare you know, just, just because he had a positive blood test, that doesn't even necessarily mean he was high. He could have smoked two or three days before they took that blood test. Right. He brought that all up. But they scared Aww. him. You know, they scared these kids and the. Like Gene said, they they get you to plead guilty, and kid will probably do about six months. And uh, 
this is it's still going on. It's still going on. It's just uh, you know, you we make some strides, uh, and then you hear these type of setbacks, and uh, you know, the nation has to come together. It has to come together with this uh, our cannabis life, Gene. Yeah, George, uh, you raise a good point, and Christian raises a good point. Uh, you can you can uh, have smoked marijuana before the present time, and there's still your blood will test positive for it, and yet you didn't you don't have it you haven't smoked and you haven't you're not high you're not in danger of anyone's life, and yet that blood test is enough to get you convicted of, of a crime. And that, it's just that, I think uh, everyone knows that's just not right. Well, you get a young guy, they can't afford a top lawyer. You know, even if it's a small situation, uh, no violence, but, uh, you know, a top lawyer, uh, you'll take fifty, seventy-five thousand off you. These, who has that? These young people don't have that. And these public defenders, uh, you don't have to, we don't have to go into that. Some of them, some of them are okay, but majority of them are so overloaded. Uh, with their cases that I know firsthand after them uh, being at a pre-federal pretrial facility, I seen it and heard it with my own eyes. After their sentence, they could never get their public defender on the phone anymore. Never. And uh, it's just, uh, and then they go off, they go off into the federal system and they don't have any paperwork. They don't have any paperwork to fight their case. And they're times that by tens of thousands at these uh, pre-trial facilities around America and all your major, major cities. And it's, and it's the war on drugs. The war on drugs. So until, as a country, we make sense of it, uh, these things are going to keep going to happen. Like I said, we, we, wait, we take one step forward and uh, trying to bring a positive recognition that we, we're human beings. And then, uh, then you hear these things, and that basically it pushes, it pushes the individual. You know, these people have been uh, yeah, the advocates. Some of the, some of the, uh, you know, Gene. You know, we have lost some over the years because they've been in the fight so long. They pass away. They get old. They get ill. And and, and being an advocate to make changes, you know, you get you get wore down. You get wore down, especially mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Uh, George, yes, if you don't mind to change the subject a little bit, uh, tell us what's happening in your life there in Philadelphia uh, with your family and, and with your activities in Philadelphia. What's happening? Oh, it's just amazing. I'm getting uh, so many so many overtures to speak, and uh, I've been getting a lot of uh, parents uh, to intervene with their problems with their children. And uh, you know, there's so much, so much that it's getting uh, it's getting very difficult to make all these appointments and to comply. And this hopefully, uh, of course, your thing is I might have a meeting with CBS in New York um, concerning my life story. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, I got a TED talk February. I mean, April the 10th. I have a TED talk here at the University of Pennsylvania. Hopefully, from that, uh, I'll get me. Uh, a public speaking agent to keep booking myself. So there's there's a lot going on 
You know, I was in St. Pete. I really liked it down there, but I was more laid back. I met a lot of people, in the, very good people in the cannabis world, the Women's Grow, Normel, and stuff like that. But here, you know, it's a major city, and there's a lot of things. Uh, <clears throat> like the last two mornings, I posted a South Philly girl, very short story about my my uh, poetic flavor for South Philly girl, and it did very, very well. So I got out this morning, about 6 in this morning, and I did the flavor of a South Philly guy. Very poetic short story. That's getting more hits than the girls. So now I decided to actually go through a whole series. It's going to be the South Philly grandmom, you know, the South Philly uncle, South Philly cousin. And it seems that I captured the a momentum in South Philly without even planning it. But there's so well, much going on. I just uh, uh, where can I find the link on your Facebook wall? You just go to my Facebook. You'll see South Philly guy today, and you're posted up there for the show today on my okay, Facebook. Cool. And then you got South Philly girl, and it's doing real well. So. You know, creativity, uh, and that's what I'm going to use when I speak, uh, you know, uh, to when I hopefully get in front of the powers that be, that speak and say, listen, was I a monster? Was I a monster that, you know, I write so some people say beautifully, but she's locked me away over three decades for, for weed? So, you know, I'm going to try to use my creativity, especially in this town where, you know, there's uh, open arms who always speak, speak to, uh, you know, to bring some sense to it. See? George, uh, I, I'd like our listeners to know uh, you're a prolific writer. How many books have you written? And, and can you give us a description of some of some of your writing? Oh, I wrote so many books and screenplays and, and short stories. Uh, is this, is this, you know, honestly, you can go to smashwords.com. Uh, that's an e-book site. I have about six or seven books on there, very inexpensive, ladies and gentlemen. And that money goes to children. I think books anywhere from $0.99 cent to $1.99. And now all that money goes to children. And I have to basically, I used to have Chris Penn, God rest his soul. Chris Penn was a friend of mine. He used to visit me in prison, and uh, he used to handle all that stuff for me at the Writers Guild uh, West in L.A. He'd go there and make sure my uh, uh, my copyright uh, didn't run out, and he would uh, keep my because I would be so writing, and I would just send him send him in, and he would go down there. So I, I really, actually I I know it's over thirty books that are registered there, and uh, if you go on my archives on the internet. It's it's it could it, you you would seem it's endless. So and I I guess I had that training from the cell because I wrote so much in the cell that I just carried on into the free world and just keep writing and writing and writing. And who knows who knows you know what how many I'm trying to trying to make it and then hopefully by me making it, it's going to make a lot of lives better for uh, people close to me. And uh, etc. Jane, George, don't you have a book uh, about South Philly? One of your stories about a guy in South Philly. Oh yeah, what's, Pain grows what's the title of that book? That book, Pain Grows a Platinum Rose. 
That's on Smashwords. That book does very well. I used to publish it every year. I published that in 95, and for, oh, for a decade or more, I always made 10,000 copies a year, and basically it helped a lot of lives. Uh, and But the fellow who was working with me with that passed away. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> things sound good, and, you know, things sound, sound good when you're in prison. But as you know, uh, Gene and ladies and gentlemen, prison prison you think uh that you're in there you're you're the world does stop the outside world does stop but then you create which i which i which i i uh created the fourth world so within the fourth world it really doesn't stop so guys like me and gene we became very busy as teachers and mentors so if we had something going with an outside community connection and that stopped. Uh, we didn't stop. We got. We actually got busy in other things. So, you know, within the fourth world, we 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 created life because we had no 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 choice. There was nothing nothing outside your prison window, but more prison. So, uh, just wanted to share that with everyone. George, uh, one of the things I think we'd like to, we should share with the listeners. Both George and myself, when no one was allowed to have organizations in prison, at one point when we started our sentences, there were multiple kinds of uh, internal organizations, that clubs that prisoners could have. They stopped that, and one of the only ones remaining was the NAACP. And George and I became officers and became very prominent in our local chapter in the NAACP. George? Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's a story in itself because we had to, uh, you know, we had to, uh, you know, I think it's never been done before. We were actually uh, board uh, board members, and I think Gene was president or vice president at one chapter, and I was community connections chairman. In other words, I try to get the community get involved. So it was amazing what we were doing. Amazing what we're doing, and. We were very scrutinized, of course, uh, by the Bureau of Prisons, and et cetera, but we did everything in the correct manner, and we had uh, we had no problems. So it was, it was it's still going on, Gene, in some institutions. You know that. Yes, it's still George, going on. I, I, I want to relate to our listeners a short story. When I was with you in Coleman, USP Coleman, and I got elected. I was a vice president and president, and George was a community development officer for the NAACP chapter. And the assistant warden came to me on the line, and she said, what are guys like you and Matarano doing? You're white guys. What are you doing in the NAACP? And my answer was, I said, George, well, it's a civil rights organization, and we believe in civil rights. And we're participating. Yeah, I remember that. I remember we're that. participating. Yes, we're participating because of, of our beliefs. And she couldn't right. answer anything further. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I remember her. Her name was Potts. That's correct. That's correct. Potts. Potts. I can't remember her Potts. name. But she, she, she came to be okay with the situation. She came to be okay. Yeah. So we did a lot, Gene. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We did that. We did the best best that we could with little we had. Sweet, so, sweet. 
Yeah, that that local chapter for our listeners' edification, that local chapter, that was a local chapter, a prison chapter. That local chapter, I think we had over 500 members, didn't we, George? Yeah, we always filled the chapel, which uh, which seated over 200. We always filled the chapel when we had events. Yeah, we had many events, and, uh, you know, we worked all day. We made sure there was refreshments, and we had speeches lined up, and what the mo- the bottom line is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we instilled hope. You know, we had to keep to keep to keep the madness, okay, from taking over. Uh, you had you have to instill hope. So important. That's what my speech is going to be about when I speak at the University of Pennsylvania, April the tenth. You know, no. <clears throat> where does the hope come from when it's raped from you? Where does it come from? And there's only one place it comes from. It comes from someone's soul. You have to pull it out of the soul and hand it to another. <clears throat> Christian. Well, I'm, I'm touched, George. I, 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 everything you say is, I wish I was going to be in Pennsylvania in April so I can hear your speech. I, I hope you can record well, it. You'll hear, you'll hear, you'll hear me speak someday. You'll see. You'll be there. As soon as they get, uh, I'll be able to travel. I'll well, George, we've got Stacy Tice, um, Stacy Tice on the line, and she travels. Okay. And I know someday you're probably going to be on her bus. See, what she does is she, her her uncle was shot down by the federal government 21 years ago. They were raiding, and they they shot him down and his and and her aunt to the ground while they held their baby in their arms. Well, her uncle Gary Shepard, he died. He never made it to prison. He died before he got there. And so Stacy, she's she's one of our freedom hero fighters, drives this big green bus around the whole entire nation uh-huh. and fights hmm. fights for our prisoners and our defendants. So um, I know you're going to probably meet her someday too, but um, she is going to be our next guest, and she's going to tell us what's okay. going on with the cannabis. But um, okay. I want to thank you and thank you for all the inspirational words that you had to say to us today. It means so much to us. All right, I'll be uh, Gene. I'll call you soon, and I'll, okay, I'll see you next week. All God right. bless. All right. Thank you for coming right. on Bye-bye. the program. All right. Thank you, George. Bye-bye. Bye. We love you. Okay, let's talk that to Stacy. She's one of the great. Advocates and freedom fighters. Let's talk to her. Yes, yes. I heard some news about the bus is on the road, and she took it to the NASCARs, and I want to know what's next. What is going on with Stacy Ty? Good morning, Stacy. Stacy Ty. Oh, there's a ringing. Wow. There's a ringing, yeah, Christian. It's it's like there's a bad connection. I know she is traveling. Um, she's actually traveling. I think she might be on the bu- on the road on the bus. So I'm not sure she's. Um, I'm not sure she's going to be on here or not. Stacy, are you there? Stacy, can you hear Stacey, me better Stacey? now? Yes. Oh my gosh, we can hear you now. Yes. Uh, I'm using new uh, earbuds, and they must not be working or something, because I could hear you guys. I was talking, but you couldn't hear me. Good morning, Stacey. Good morning. Good morning. 
Are you Thanks on the bus? Thanks for inviting right now? me on your wonderful show again. <laughs> Are you on the bus right Stacey, now? Stacy, you're one of our you're one of our heroes. Everybody's here. I'm amazed how you keep going with that bus. You keep it together somehow with wires and glue and paper clips, but and it keeps going. And I want to just I want to congratulate you. You're you're a wonder. Thank you. It says. No, I'm driving my truck back to the bus. Um, Yesterday, we took the bus early in the morning before they closed off the roads to have the bus at the Trump rally, and um, went and got. We were out there collecting signatures for the legalization initiative that Safer Arizona and AZMFR are doing here in Arizona, they're combating um, MPP's very monopoly, very still drug war, um, felonies in place initiative. So uh, we've been using the bus to help all these efforts that once we get all the signatures, it will help and bury a lot of prohibition and get a lot of people out of prison and get a lot of people their rights back. Um, once we get these signatures on the ballot and get it voted through. So it was really cool to have the bus at the Trump rally and out there getting signatures and witnessing how much our efforts are continuing to pay off and, you know, all the attention because even at the Trump rally, oh, I don't care what statistics say, majority, the mass majority, whether they – even smoke pot or not, knows that this is a freedom issue and that nobody should go to jail for a plant. And it's not very hard to get people to sign the initiative once you let them know that our initiative is releasing prisoners and giving people their rights back. And it was really cool to hear at the tra- so many people that are, yeah, they're coming up to speed and they are communicating we're not having a debate with as many people now it's like yeah we're with you or yeah it's just a plant and that's a lot of beautiful magic and then we bounced over to the bernie sanders rally and um experienced a lot of freedom there too at the bernie sanders rally we got there to collect signatures and their rally was at the same place that I signed the petition when I was a career woman raising my daughter for medical marijuana right there in the parking lot. But now all of a sudden when we went there to the fairgrounds yesterday to get signatures at Bernie Sanders, we were, um, there was a new freedom of speech zone and it was the only place we could get signatures there and it was way off in front of like way beyond where anybody parked and where anybody could um even know that we were we were staying you know that we were there so on our way you know with police trying to escort us out of there we um very vocally you know, vocalize that we were being moved to the freedom of speech zone far away, but ourselves and officers could not impede in our efforts of, uh, um, we can't impede if citizens are trying to sign the initiative 
um, even while we're walking over the freedom of speech zone. So if we, the people, want to help participating and getting signatures to in line, why they stood in line, and it was magic. Like, everyone kept asking us to sign the petitions. It took us, we never even made it to the freedom of speech zone. Everyone standing in line was like, we'll sign, we'll sign, passing it around. And, and yeah, we cheerleaded that no one should go to jail for a plant and what was on our initiative just to see people stick because we weren't allowed to ask anyone we just kept telling people we're on our way over here to where you can't see to get signatures but if you ask to sign we can't stop you and people just kept signing and the police left us alone like after the police being there and having to communicate with them we were there working the line for hours and nobody bothered us again so that was a great taste of freedom in action and last week uh going to nascar that was even though we got trespassed because the police and the corporate people were like oh my god you know these people are doing it we're we're done with having this marijuana and everybody and even their children taking pictures and loving the cannabis and all these education efforts going on at, you know, NASCAR. So Saturday they decided to trespass us off of there. And oh, some, a lot, yeah, uh, it was crazy. We were there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, we got visited by a narcotics officer uh, that Thursday night. Oh, yeah, they were trying. I think they let us stay there longer because they were trying to set us up to break the law. Because that Thursday oh. night, a narcotics officer came just to visit, and he was, like, chatting away with us, and he he let us know that he's usually not in his regular officer clothes, that <laughs> he was only in his officer clothes to work PIR that week, and that usually when he's at work, he's in clothes just like us. And he communicated with us that it took him seven minutes to get his medical marijuana card and that he got his medical marijuana, he had to get his medical marijuana card for work because he is a narc. And that's his job is to dress up in regular clothes and to use his medical marijuana card to you know, bust bad people, you know, people growing medicine for people and sharing it and getting patients better is a big deal and requires a lot of time and resources for our officers, you know. It's just crazy. And, um, yeah, his job is the same kind of officer that put Chris Martin in prison that started that, uh, you know, set him up to fail after six months of not being able to find anything on him. Oh, well, we'll fix that. We'll get it undercover with a medical card to manipulate and bullshit his way. You know, oh, we can't do that. Yeah. Obviously, we can't do that with Chris. We're going to use one of his employees to ma- manipulate to get Chris behind bars and now being, you know, treated like oh. a slave versus a human. So so then so after that, wife, it seemed like wife on the show what? earlier today. We had his wife on the show earlier today. Um, we talked about all the torture they're doing to him, basically. They're calling him a gang member. And I know you know Chris Martin pretty well. Um, and they're calling him a gang member in prison. They actually tacked on another, I believe, six months to his sentence 
due to phone calls, I believe, that we were making in order to get them a, to get him some help in the prison. Yeah, before I got in my truck, Eric Johnson was just commute. Like, I know you haven't been on Facebook for a minute, you know, in the last few days, but since that call of action came out, they're calling Chris Martin a gang member. And I was like, what? And and I was ex- I was anxious to get on the phone and listen to what is going on because I haven't had a minute this weekend to catch up. So our phone calls are cons- are getting them riled up. And treating Chris worse is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. In fact, they've um, they they're yes, it's really it's really bad. Um, they do, he doesn't have a a, a, gel, a, um, a doctor there at all to help him with his medical issues. So we launched more calls. We worked with the Human Solution and got another flyer flyer out there. This time, for like the Attorney General and stuff. But at this point now, we're going to probably, from what I understand, it's a state prison. So we're going to launch another flyer in efforts to get phone calls to the governor. How close are you in the bus to the governor's office? Oh, I'm not very far from, I mean. Oh, wow. um, Perfect. You know, it's only a (laughs) 45-minute road trip. Um, Oh. But, yeah, I'm like, we need to, um, I'm definitely on board with continuing um, loud and proud action um, until they, take care of Chris because um, you know I I don't I, I am positive and I know everything will work out but I also get anxiety when our dads aren't being taken care of in prison you know um, you know personally what that can result in and and no, this family does not deserve to have to be worried about Chris's health while they're already dealing with life on a regular basis without him there, you know, and him being yeah. caged away. And so, yeah, it we do know that unless we're loud and proud that things won't get, I mean, what's going to, what are they going to do? Be different if we don't make them, you know? Right, right. That's what I think. And, I think we need to do a rally in front of the in front of the uh, governor's office and su- to support it, have calls come from across the nation asking her to put some regulation in that prison and let those prisoners get taken care of. Um, and that she, I wonder if she even realizes that we have people in prison in her state for a plant and that they are sending undercovers out there in order to set more people up to go to prison for the plant. Oh, yeah, it was obvious they were sending <laughs> undercovers to our campsite um, right, the last right. couple of days before they trespassed us, um, people in regular clothes. No, like, you can sense people, and, you know, people in regular clothes coming up asking us again, and it's like, hey, I'm from out of town. I have my card. You know where I can get – I know I can't go to a dispensary, but I'm sure you know where to get it, you know, and being, like, you know, trying to convince you. I'm like, I don't know who's who's just a major, you know, pothead and who's an undercover coming to our camp. And then it was obvious that we were using good choices in our communication with people again and again because it was obvious that they were had our eye on us until they finally was like, well, these, these fish ain't going to bite. 
and all they're doing is getting more people to love cannabis and the need to end prohibition. We've got to get them out of here, you know, and Saturday when the races started and every, and the bus was even more busier and the crowd was coming, then they decided to bring the police and authorities to just no discussion. Private property, you're being trespassed. No no good reason. Don't have to have one. PIR wants you out here, whether you pay it or not. Leave. But while we were packing up, it was, I mean, I, I, keep going because things are definitely changing. Why we, the advocates, were picking up the campsite at NASCAR, it was the NASCAR fans that were screaming at police and in the PIR people's faces rallying for us. These are peaceful people. They should be able to say, like, like I, it was beautiful to witness not, you know, people in our cannabis community coming up to bat for us, but our community of America coming up. And we saw that not only at NASCAR, we witnessed that yesterday at Bernie, why we were, trying to be kicked off the ground getting signatures. So it's beautiful, even though, yeah, it's hard, and there's a lot going on that we have to continue to fight. We can help, you know, Chris Martin and all our prisoners and stuff because people are, we are coming together, even though the media and this whole presidential campaign is on a mission to destruct us more and keep us, aggravated at each other it's beautiful to be out in the public and seeing that their efforts aren't working that people are standing up for one another and we are uniting and getting things accomplished together um so stacy i have a question what as far as efforts with the cannabis for the next week two weeks month what are you um i know that you are trying to take the bus out to shauna band's uh trial which i would love to be there for um, but what else? What in the meantime? What's what's up with you and cannabis? Well, I would love um, to be organizing the Journeys for Justice for Shauna Banda with, you know, every. I would love for everyone's national efforts to pull together to make that happen. That would be great. The more warriors that we could have, just like the Journey for Justice to Chris Williams. We have all kinds of canny heroes from everywhere coming together and that power of making all of our stops on the way up and letting everyone know that we were about to go to Chris Williams court support. I mean, you know, that power that we were able to manifest and help Mm -hmm. provide still today, as far as people caring about what's going on and knowing what's going on. So in my dream of, Oh, we could have that same kind of power come together and organize on a Journeys for Justice to Shauna Banda in July that, yes, her story, you know, her story is out there, but it will will just help it even grow and get more people showing up to court support for her and, and bringing that. And, of course, it would be great to have you and, and some of our POWs that have recently been released, you know, riding up there and, or even meeting at Shauna Banda's court support, and then we all go together and tour to to Seattle Hemp Fest or whatever we can make happen oh, okay, and okay. continue so. to power, um, you know, the press releases, the media, the salt, like as we travel, and then we're we're 
speaking to so many people, you know, during our travels. Um, any, I, I would love for that to come together. In the meantime, we have here in Arizona, we have until uh, the beginning of July to get enough signatures for initiative that will release prisoners and give um, people with pot charges their rights back and provide parental protections and stuff. So I'll be touring the bus around Arizona um, through June. I hope to make it to California to help with Jack's initiative on a trip. Um, that's being worked out right now. And then yeah, that's uh, the CCHI, the CCHI initiative. They're they're the ones that sponsor this radio show, and that initiative has yes. I'm so excited and proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so a lot of movements happen. So you know, I'm like, let's keep it rolling and keep it going. You know, um, the biggest in my mind, the biggest thing out there isn't who's going to be our next president. Our biggest thing out there is. We need to end prohibition no matter who's our president, no matter who gets elected. Everybody needs to be on the same page that we need to end prohibition. Like, I don't that well, that needs to be num- safety, number one, you know. Like, the ultimate goal is to end up in uh, D.C. with all kinds of prisoners so that we can have make and have an effect on Congress and possibly even the president. Yes, in the fall. So, <laughs> you know, and yeah, showing up. Me. Yes. Showing up for everyone, you know, getting loud and, I mean, about what's going on with Chris and, and other prisoners, continuing that is just going to power us and get more people caring and more people knowing that, yeah, nothing I'm doing right now in my current life is more important than showing up for Washington or starting to talk to people and make some noise about how we're treating our people. I mean, we do, um, when it was brought to my attention um, years ago to reread the Constitution and and <laughs> the amendment that abolishes slavery and that little, you know, the little uh, part in there that, oh, they snuck one by us and saying, oh, yeah, yeah slavery is abolished unless you get in trouble. Well, then again and again, we have to witness with our plant prisoners that, oh, my God, you know, they do treat us like it's slavery in there. And I don't I don't care who's in it. Like, we have to have a better prison system. We 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 are humans. We're not immediately slave material, whatever that is, just because we break some law, especially laws that shouldn't even be there. You know, like they that's just ridiculous to me. And I love the momentum that we are on, and I, and yeah, let's continue to our people and get them free. I really know and feel that is the more we unite and continue our efforts, that we are winning this. For sure, for sure. Well, Stacy, Eugene, is there anything you want to say to Stacy? Because we have about thirty minutes left, and we still have a couple, a couple more, a couple more people. We're opening our lines up to. Uh, open uh, mic I just want to I want to say Stacy uh, your efforts and what you say and what people do are so important we were talking about that all through this show we've got to be we've got to manifest ourselves we've got to express ourselves to educate the public about what's happening 
because most Americans don't know. You know, like you said, Stacy, you, you you mentioned what's happening with with marijuana. You know, our prisons. We get one quarter of our prison population, and that's the biggest population prison population in the world. One quarter are in for marijuana offenses. Mm, and that's disgusting. It, it, the disgusting part of it, Stacy, is that there's 27 states that have legalize some form of medical marijuana or recreational marijuana, and within a year, it looks like 40, a majority of states will have legalized some part of marijuana, and yet we've got people languishing in prison over marijuana. doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, and still going to court every day on their way to prison for marijuana. Right, right. It's it's a mess, and that. And I'm glad that we are all working so hard to clean up this mess. <laughs> all right. I well, think the first the first thing in cleaning up the mess is to let people know that it is a mess. For sure. Yeah, for sure. sharing the beautiful truth and the bittersweet truth and the dirty, nasty, ugly truth is going to continue to set us all free. For Amen. Sure. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Stacey. For calling in, we love you and love you, love you, love you. And anytime you want um, any of our listeners to know what you are doing, let us know. We would love to hear from you. And thank you, Christian. Thank you. I love last, you guys so much too. One last thing, Stacy. Christian, don't we have? Aren't we going to be, be putting a button on our website for Stacy's bus? Yeah, we want to be able to put a, a thing on there um, so that when. You're doing stuff all, all of our listeners and all of our people that follow the Voice of the Cannabis work can go to our website and be able to see what you're up to, where you're headed. So if they want to, you know, follow you or, you know, see the bus, they'll know where to go and how to get there or whatever. And we'll, we want to put a site just for you and the, the bus up on our on our website. Oh, you give me goosebumps. Thank you guys <laughs> so much. Because, you know, Eugene mentioned earlier, I don't know how you keep doing it. And I don't either, you know. God's bus and God's speed, and that's everyone's love, you know, even if even if it's just enough to keep us going for a couple more hours or a couple more days until some more love happens or more magic or things work out differently. It has. Like, I am just always in awe when I look back at the last few years and, you know, how much stuff, you know, big ideas and ways to really, you know, build, make more buses on the road and all these big things that haven't necessarily worked out the way I envision them. But one way or another, things continue to work out. So, yeah, if I can do it, anyone can do it. The key is to just never <laughs> give up because we are on the right side of everything in our efforts and we just can't give up, you know. <laughs> right. Well, Stacy, we are running on really limited time right now, and Stephanie just called in, and there's a message here that she actually she wants to talk to you. So, we're gonna bring her on, um, and then we're gonna we have we still have two more callers, so we got thir- 25 minutes. So we gotta um, go kind of quick from here on out to the end of the show. But I want to uh, make sure Stacy gets to touch base with Stephanie. And good morning, Stephanie. And how are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Hi, Stacy. Hi, Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Mindy. Hi, everybody. Hello, um, Stephanie. Good morning. Good morning. So, 
things are a little bit better this Sunday than last Sunday. And they actually didn't take my kid into jail. He has to turn himself in on April 1st. So it was a little reprieve and, you know, maybe they'll just come in and say, no, the whole thing's a joke. It's April Fool's Day, but we'll see. Um, so I'm, in a, I'm in a better mood, of course. And yeah, uh, Stacey, I also want to put a blurb up on my website, too. That was a great idea. So, yeah, and um, her put her GoFundMe so people can donate to her bus and stuff to keep it going, too. Right. I think uh, that's a great thank idea. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. The Secret Sesh gave me $576 this week for <gasps> commissary. Like, that's their month. Every month they try to beat the last month. Last month it was like $369. So things Aww. seem to be going in that direction. A CBD company called me and said they're going to give 2% of their um, whatever they do. And then somebody else got on and said, oh, for every gram we sell, we'll give you a dollar. So, like, it is being contagious. Like, putting money on commissary gets to be contagious. It's contagious for me, for sure. And so I'm org, and I won't take up any more time because I'll call in next week. Okay. (laughs) You're behind. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Okay, have a great day, everybody. And thanks for the reprieve for my kid. And because I'm sure it came from all the energy out there. Yep, yep, I know it did. Thank you for continuing to share your energy, Stephanie. You are just a constant inspiration and make me happy on a daily basis. Sharing your pictures of tons of help going to our prisoners on a regular basis. That's such, ha, oh, so happy that people are getting love out of our community on such big levels. It's beautiful what you've helped inspire. I know. We're so happy, too. You know, I and, you know, and I, not tooting my own horn, but I have really inspired a lot of people to start giving to commissary because they get it now. They totally right. get the fact that they have to have money, period. It doesn't matter that you don't want to give them any, but they have to have it. So yep. I'm glad that things are contagious. Good things are contagious. I'm so <laughs> I love happy. it. All right, guys. Okay. Well, thank you both. I love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you, Stacey. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. You know, we're fortunate to be able to function with people like Stacy and Stephanie. They're two of the heroes of the advocacy uh, groups that are working to change this whole thing. It's I know it. I know it. It's it's like we got we got uh, Stacy's out there with her bus trying to educate people and trying to rile people up, and Stephanie's out there with her her commissary funds, and then. All these other groups out there, parents for pot are helping the kids. I mean, it's it's just amazing um, what's what's going on in the world. Um, we've got two more callers. We've got Terry Miller, and we're going to talk to for a couple minutes, and then we're going to talk to Tom Corby, and then we're going to end the show. And we are on very very limited time, so um, I just want to touch base with you, Terry. Um, how's Jason doing? He's not doing so good. 
is having a rough time is uh, sorry. I'm having a rough time for myself. He's just insane. He's got a lot of stuff going on. It's it's really scaring him. So therefore, our calls haven't been very good, you know, because I have all this on his head. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to talk to him about it. He's having a rough time with it all. And he's not, he's having a rough time with it all. For our listeners, listeners, this is Terry Miller. Her her husband, um, Jason Miller, is in jail right now. He's facing a trial coming up soon. When is his trial? We don't know now because they uh, postponed it because when he was in um, his hearing on February 16th, it was new charges because of the pills they have him on. They're not affecting him good at all. He's not, re- he doesn't react to these pills, you know, well. And so his attitude is bad. We'll just put it that way. Some of the side effects of these pills make him not the same person. And, you know, on top of it, he tells me, you know, talk about post-traumatic stress, baby. I don't know if I'll ever be the same. He's been in lockdown for nine months. 23 hours locked out, one hour for nine months. Not to really take effect on him. You know, it's terrible. So it's I really hard to something. understand you, Terry. You're kind of cutting out a little bit. Here, let me see if I can take it off speaker. Yeah. All right, is that better? Yeah, that's a little bit better. Okay, sorry about that. Um, the pills that they have him on is just horrible. They, the side effects on him are terrible. And I just, I, and I, me and his mom are right now trying to make him realize to refuse their pills. Refuse them. Don't take them. I know I'm not the one in 23 hours locked down and one hour out, but the pills, they're making, like somebody was, uh, Miss Martin, earlier saying they're trying to provoke him and so that's why they keep giving him these pills because they know what these pills are going to do to him and they are taking advantage of it he's got three more felonies because of these pills that they have him on so you know it it's something that and still no lawyer i mean as far as his public defender goes cannot be reached refuses to return calls Jason has not seen him since February 16th at that same hearing when the judge asked Jason if he was under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and he told the judge he was. He was under the influence of Depakote and how many milligrams, and he just, and he went on and on and on and would not answer the judge whether or not he was confident to stand to make his plea. And, you know, he wanted it on record, yes, I am being given pills that is not my medicine. You know, he's been a patient in three different states. 
for 20 years, Jason is medicated with marijuana, and he wanted it on record that they're not giving him his prescribed medication in jail. And, um, it's the, you know, I really just re- worry about it. So the judge actually uh, has canceled the hearing and ordered a mental competency evaluation. Oh, wow. Him. So when does he get that done? And he has to stay in jail while he's getting that taken care of, right? Yeah, and uh, he's scared because even his even his spiritual beliefs with marijuana and everything is very judged by people still. And, you know, he doesn't know if he's going to be judged on some of his beliefs as the answers, you know that they evaluate him on they, the mental hospital in um, Evanston, Wyoming, has now passed their 30 days to do it, so they just filed an extension. And they were granted their extension to April 22nd for that. So now they have until April 22nd on this extension. And Jason's lawyer told us that he had another case where the hospital was so backed up that they got several months extensions in a row on this. His lawyer told us that when he told us that he was on the way to the jail to talk to Jason after the judge ordered this and never showed up. Even told wow. the jailers to get the room ready to have Jason and him be able to visit right in front of me and his mom. And he never went to the jail. That's like the second or third time he's done that to Jason. Jason's wow. never really had a sit-down talk with his lawyer. Not once. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. So I got on here that his his uh, trial was scheduled for the 26th and 27th of uh, January, and we're now going into March, April here pretty soon, and still no trial. Yeah, no, it was. I re I redid the um that the one in January was postponed, and it was rescheduled for this next week, March twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, and um so now it's going to be of course canceled again because of this mental evaluation, and they have okay. not given us any rescheduled dates on that yet. Okay. So if our listeners so, yeah. if you are are like wanting to help the herbal soldier, if if you are listening, he's facing sixty one years in Sheridan, Wyoming. Um so if if you would like to help, um please stay tuned for more information. As soon as we know a trial date, we'll get that out to information out there. In the meantime, you don't even have to live in Sheridan, Wyoming. If you know people that live there, we could use your help in the courtrooms to help Jason. Um, Terry, is there anything else we've got to go to? We've got. Yeah, I just want to say one thing. While that little cannabis cannabis is traveling back and forth through there, if um, Stacy would possibly get with me and let me know how much it would cost for maybe her to do an appearance, maybe pass out some jury nullification information or something in that That area, I would love to set something up like that because that would be really. A shocking that would thing be a really for Sheridan, cool Wyoming to see. <laughs> yeah. What we need to do is find out when his trial date is and then get a message to Stacy and find out where she's going to be at during the days. And maybe she is in that area. 
Um, I'm sure she wouldn't charge you to bring the bus through there, um, Stacey. Oh, you know, I would love to. Like, I would find donations to help her with yeah, gas. Yeah, that's what she needs donations for gas. But, yeah, if she's in the yep, area. I would find donations for that, for sure. Okay. I know I would. And even if it wasn't right close to his trial, that would be something that I would have to even just drive down there to see. Because right, that right. little town in Wyoming, it would be just awesome to have that big bus pull in oh, and talk yeah, about during notification. Sure. Anytime, day or night, month or date or, yeah, i just right. love to see that. So, All right, well, cool. I will be in touch with everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Uh, so for our listeners who's wondering what is jury nullification, it's a, it's a little education about it real quick. You have the power, if you are ever ju- called to jury duty, not to only judge if the law has been broken, because most likely they'll be able to prove that the law was broken. But if you think it's a bad law and you don't think somebody should go to jail, especially if there's no victim, you do have the power to say not guilty. You do not have to do what the government tells you to. You do not have to vote guilty. You will not be punished for your verdict if you vote not guilty. And you can save somebody from a life of prison. Terry's, Terry's husband's looking at 60-something years. Do you think he deserves to die in prison for the plant? No. So the, one of those jurors can save him. Um, next, we're going to go to Tom Corby, who is a Human Solution Chapter Coordinator for the northern part of California. Tom is an amazing man who faced charges at one point on his own. He's gotten very familiar with the court systems, very familiar with our prisoners, um, if you are in trouble in Northern California, Tom Corby can guide you through it and help you out. Um, and here is our hero, Tom. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Top of the day. I want to yes. thank you, Eugene and Christian, Mindy, and CCHI for sponsoring another historical Let Freedom Grow radio show. Uh, Northern California, uh, we have two continuances, postponements. What's that say? Shelby Lucero is going on to her 34th preliminary hearing. Wow. Uh, What a waste of time and taxpayers' money. She goes back to her 34th preliminary hearing on April 8th at 9.30 a.m., Department 40, that's number one, number, uh, that's 729th Street in Sacramento Superior Court. Court support's always important. Also, we have Kevin Saunders, uh, was due up tomorrow. He's going to trial, uh, uh, and, uh, his case also has been postponed till, uh, right here, uh, May 9th at 8.30 a.m., you can go to our calendar at the Human Solution International.org, uh, post your uh, your cases and your hearings, your meetings. Uh, you can go there and, and find out uh, where the cases are and where core support's needed. Uh, we have, uh, today we have birthday for Charles Canada. Now, this is sad. He's given a life sentence, a death sentence. He doesn't get out till 2045, so he will die in prison if we don't start sending some hardened letters to try to get him out. His birthday, another Pisces, 
uh, you can send him a card. Uh, that's Charles Wayne, Canada. Uh, that number five seven four zero five two, East Ham Unit two six six five Prison Road, Prison Road. Love Lady Texas nine five eight five one. You can go to our website, Help Human Solution, at the inter- Human Solution International dot org. Also, let Freedom Grow dot org and POW four twenties. And join us, stand your ground, come in unity. We must agree to disagree, uh, put our risks aside. Uh, together we stand. To end prohibition is our bottom line goal and vision. To end prohibition, to deschedule, not reschedule cannabis. Uh, come join us, help you this solution to end prohibition. I want to thank you all today. Uh, it's also uh, Lisa Gresham Gordon's birthday today. Happy birthday. Uh, another uh, advocate on the front lines out there. Okay, uh, thank you again, and don't forget to breathe, folks. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. You know, every single week Tom comes on. Thank you, Tom. We love you. Um, every thank single week you. Tom comes on our show, and he talks about Shelby Lucero's court date being postponed 34 different times. And can you imagine over and over and over having to deal with the thought that your future um, has to do with this judge postponing your court date? I mean, to me, I would just want to get it over with. But if you want to join Tom in court support, uh, his name is spelled T-O-M-K-O-R-B-Y. I urge you, urge you to go to his Facebook wall if you're in Northern California and say when and where do I need to be there because it is very important that we show up in the courtrooms, even if it's a little case. It's not as important, but if you had 30 people walking into every single court case, even if it was just a little hearing, I was feeling your charges would be a lot dropped a lot faster than if there wasn't that many people on there. So we're getting ready to go into our closing. I just want to say, um, Eugene, is there anything you want to say before we close? And Mindy, if you're if you're there, um, if you can hear me and not and not um, if you're not screening calls, if there's anything you guys want to say, just jump in. Um, otherwise, I'm going to go into closing. No, I think it was a great show. Thank you, listeners. Let's go to closing. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, so, is what we want to do is we want to say thank you first and foremost to all of the volunteers that help with this radio show, um, which is basically everybody who helps with the radio show is volunteers. So if you have something to do with this show, thank you, especially to CCHI 2016, where they are trying to get people released out of prison in California, and that is so important. Um, We also want to say thank you to the Northwest Leaf, the Vegas Canna Magazine, and the Oregon Leaf for giving us this this spot on their – in their magazine every month in order for us to write about our our prisoners and our defendants. Um, We're about to go into closing, so we just want to say rest in peace to some people who are not here anymore and ask you to help us end prohibition. Uh, First of all, so nobody else dies in jail, like my father, Richard Floor, who was shackled to a bed, shackled to a bed when he left this earth. He was sentenced to prison where they didn't take care of him, and I could go on and on. I could tell you guys some miserable, miserable stories about what happened to my dad in prison. But uh, to make a long, long story short, uh, he was killed um, after a couple heart attacks. 
he I was forced to take him off life support. But I say he was killed because what led up to it was, was just literally a nightmare, and it should never happen. Um, we also need to say rest in peace to Gary Shepard, who we heard from Stacey Tice just a little bit ago. Uh, Gary Shepard and Mary Jane Jones, they're, they're a couple who faced prohibition right in the front lines from the federal government with to their heads. They were shot down over 20 times. Um, Gary died. Mary Jane Jones survived to live another 20 years, but just recently passed away. Um, we'll, they will always be remembered. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Herrer, who, from what I understand, if he would have had Rick Simpson oil invented, he could have survived his cancer. But Jack is a hero to us because before he died, he left us with so many different books, or a book, not so many, but a book called Jack, uh, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And if you read The Emperor Wears No Clothes, you will read all about the uh, prohibition and why they keep our plant a secret and everything about what the plant can do for us and what the government has done to us. So check that out. We also want to say a breast in peace to Peter McWilliams, who left us some inspirational books for us to read about death and about pain and about happiness and all kinds of stuff. He also went to prison for a plant and died in prison. And also Bill Lamorte, who died on the 4th of July. I mean, can you imagine dying on the 4th of July for a plant, serving a life sentence for a plant? Um he had been in prison for 20 years and died there. He grabbed his chest in the yard and died of a major heart attack, Eugene said, who was in prison with this man. Rest in peace to him. He will always be remembered, especially on our show. Also to Larry Harvey, who fought for us. His whole family was facing charges, and Larry went to D.C. to help us end prohibition. And to D. Young for giving us Adam, which reminds me, you guys can check out our website soon. Adam's helping us build it. We also want to say rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called in today. Curtis died while his dad was in prison serving a life sentence. And his death would have probably been a lot different had his father been free. We also want to say rest in peace to two little children, Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde. Spencer and Cashy were using the plants to treat their tumors. Well, the, they were raided, and guess what? Their parents could not get their tumor medicine, the cancer medicine, um, in the way that they needed it, and they both died of tumors. Rest in peace. Also, to Bernardo Fuma Martinez, who is helping us on a national, on a global level, trying to end prohibition through videos that he was trying to get heard and seen in other countries. We also want to uh, say rest in peace to Elaine. Elaine was an ONAC tribal member with the post office, took her medicine during a, when they were trying to mail it to her, and she didn't have her medicine, and she passed away. Um, that was such a tragedy. Let's rest in peace, Elaine. And also to Oscar, who was Eugene and Georgie's friend, George's friend, who they say went to FCI in the sky. And we want to ask you to help us in prohibition so nobody else has to die in prison, die for our plant, or go to prison for our plant. Thank you for listening to the show. We have this really cool song for you to listen to. Check it out, and have a beautiful Sunday. Life be like hitting rays, 
Dante's man, it ain't a sport. Got these evil politicians contorting the truth. And these wicked ass witches according to you to tell you the truth, man. Can't hack this. I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice. 2012 and they still manifesting destiny with military industry complex style weaponry. Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy. CIA means coke in America, apparently. It's been a narco plutocracy since the 70s. Corporations profiteering, domineering everything. Radio press, news in the media. You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you like GMOs. From Monsanto, ringing alarm that family farm so man can't grow. Must we lose what we tell ourselves about? Reach one, each one, teach one, empower them. 